Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back to the Girl Water Your Grass. We are so excited to have a very special guest here with us today. He is a husband, he's a father, He's a brother, he's a friend, and he, you all, is just a passionate man that we are so excited for you all to get to know. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. David Reeser. Welcome, David. Hey, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate MK and Maria. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is. It's going to be so much fun. And we just are so excited for our new season, excited to be back with you. And just mm-hmm. to share so much of what you're doing, it really is amazing and you know, we got connected to you through a mutual friend, our dear friend, Tim Howard, but now we have found mul- multiple mutual yes. connections. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a small world. small world. They say seven degrees. I think it's three oh, degrees. My goodness. Know each other. Oh, it's a lot less than seven. And maybe <laughs> seven if you live in a cave. For That's real. Right. Well, really I know is. that Tim, had as soon, he had recorded, you were on his podcast and he came mm-hmm. back and he said, Maria and MK, you guys need to have this gentleman on. He's a rock star. He's like, I just know that he would add so much value to your listeners. And so we just wanted to have you come on and just share, share a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, and the way that you're watering your grass and, and honestly making a huge ripple out there in the world. Like your story, tell us your story. Yes. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, my story is, uh, I live someplace very, very cold and I decided I didn't want to live there anymore. And, <laughs> and I moved to a place called Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and it is actually a very beautiful place. I was just ready for a change of pace. And um, now I live in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. I consider this my home. I tell people this is where I'm from, Mm. you know, and I'm I'm firmly rooted in my community. And um, if I were to tell you my story, um, some of of the parts seem pretty outrageous. Um, But I've I've had quite the journey. I've, I've turned a lot of pages and lived a lot of chapters. And I'm always excited to live, to start a new one, but I, I really am enjoying the one that I'm in right now. Um, I'm all about uh, love for my neighbors, you know, and, and uh, in my specific mission in my lane that I'm in uh, professionally, I'm about uh, love for my neighbors in recovery. Mm. I take a, a very different approach um, to looking at substance use disorder, opioid use disorder addiction, you know, and I, I think that um, I think it resonates with a lot of people and it comes from God. And I, I don't in any way uh, depart from that thought process. So happy to answer any questions you have. Yeah. Or, or, oh, yeah. Let's, let's dig deeper into that. How did you get into that? So growing up, what was your life like? How, you know, what was your story? Oh, that- wow. Yeah. So here you go. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, do it. Ready. <laughs> let's go there. So we grew up, we grew up poor 
And uh, I, I, we basically moved, I don't know, 12 or 13 times uh, across southeastern um, mm. Pennsylvania, always the new kid in school, essentially always having to figure out how to adapt. And um, um, very early on, I realized that I actually wasn't out poor because poor is a mindset. You know, I realized I was broke, temporary state of not having, you know, um, but we grew up poor, didn't have a lot. Life was definitely stressful. Um, I did learn how to pray when I was young. And I think mm. that's what ultimately saved me is I, I had an escape and a connection to God. But uh, I had a deep passion even then for being in healthcare. Like I remember thinking as a small child, like I want to be a physician. Like I, re wow. I just remember knowing that. And um, life was definitely tough. And I lost my dad when I was 16. He had, mm. he got lung cancer and passed away. You know, my mother uh, started drinking and I basically lost her too for 15 or 16 years. So I really didn't have a relationship with my mother until I was in my thirties. Wow. So uh, that was pretty much my story. So I grew up pretty fast. I started working when I was 12, literally when I started, when I was 12 years old and I've worked ever since, but uh, it definitely instilled in me a resiliency and a toughness. And at the same time, I still stayed soft. You know, I'm, I'm the first guy to cry. I'm the first guy to cry. Ask my girls. They didn't get me crying in a heartbeat, you know, but at the same time, I, I know how to push through tough times, you know, and, and God walked through me, walked with me through it all, you know, and sometimes I didn't feel or, or notice it, but looking back, it's just, I can see the footprints, you know, uh -huh. all over my life, all over my life. I can see them. We talk so much oh, yeah. about that, about God connect. You can look back and see how God has weaved your story together and he's still be it, you know, totally. it is like he wastes nothing. Right. So you've had all these challenges, but mm. he wastes nothing. I'm a, I'm a big believer that God never wastes our pain, but yes. we do, we often do, you know, mm. we want to look at our pain and be like, I wish that wouldn't have happened when, if we could just smile through it and realize that every bit of it is teaching us something that when you pray, whatever happens is the answer to that prayer. So you don't have to wait in expectancy for something to happen. Cause what happens is literally what you prayed for. If you believe that God is really for you. You know, so even yeah. I even celebrate the struggle because there's something in it that I'm either going to learn or grow from, period. Even if it's painful and excruciating, especially when it's too much for me to bear, because then I know that God came in when I survive it. I know uh -huh. it was him because I didn't have it. <laughs> like uh -huh. I'm, I'm tapped out. So it's we're, his we're strength, not yours, God. right? It's, it's actually you on the real yeah. though. So, mm. but that's what it was. Grew up poor, but grew up with passion. And uh, I, I got a couple breaks along the way. You know, and allowed me eventually while I was still in Pennsylvania to become a healthcare professional. I worked for 13 years in clinical care, you know, um, mostly in medical imaging. But uh, I also developed a great network of friends and a great connection to my church, you know, and, and started to understand who I was. But God hid me for a long time, if, if that makes sense to you. He hid me in plain sight for a long time because mm -hmm. I could sense something was happening inside, but I couldn't sense exactly what it was supposed to look like when it was done, if that makes sense. I didn't really start to hit my arc until I was in my mid thirties and I just turned 42 for context. Mm. <laughs> we just turned 40, both of us within the past couple of months. Hey, so happy 40 is where you Welcome. start, right? It is. That's right. It is. It's a new start. Such a good decade. It really is. And it's like, I think God pulls us out of our lives so that he can mold us and shape us and, and show us like, this is not you. This is me. And, and undoubtedly through those things, we, like you said, we see that it's his strength because we can't do it alone. And it, 
it allows us to not have that ungodly self-reliance or to be the hero. And just, I just shared with you that I'm reading this book, having a merry heart in a Martha world. And so much of what we see, she, she speaks to this is that people want to be the hero. And like, I guess our prayer here at Girl Water Your Grass and with you, it sounds like is that don't let us shine, but how can you make us a conduit for grace? And we are blessed to be able to be part of that story, but that it not be about us because it's, it's, we can do all nothing without him. Right. So I just love that. I love that you, that he pulled you out and kept you hidden because in, in that time he was doing something in you that you are now burning up and ready to just burst for it's like the bamboo tree, right? It roots for like, what is it? 10 years or something. And then it grows in six weeks, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but no, that's good. Is, it really, it really is amazing. What, what would you say has been one of your biggest struggles? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. What's been my biggest struggle? Uh, I, I feel like I feel like we all have a common struggle, you know, and that it, it has different textures depending on the person walking through it. So, you know, a struggle in the past that I used to have was self-doubt. And that's part of the reason why I probably stayed hidden so long. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, who are you to be able to say this? You're not an expert in that, <laughs> you know? that whole, that voice of self-doubt, but I, I quelched that about four years ago because I, I realized, honestly, God, if God put it in my heart, then he already gave me everything to be successful, period. And all I have to do is just have faith and the, and the next tool, the next knowledge, the next person, everything that I need to make it happen will come to pass. So I don't worry about walking into something. If God's put me on a mission, I don't care about walking into it, realizing that there are a bunch of pieces missing. He's going to give them to me right when I need them. So self-doubt used to be the thing. Um, what do I struggle with the most right now? Honestly, um, it's a combination of timing. Timing mm-hmm. is a really tricky thing. Mm. You know, you know, will I be able to have an effect that I'm looking to, to, to have, you know, will the world be ready for something that I'm doing or, you know, will I, will I reach that next person? You know, will this next thing, the timing of things, but then again, it comes back down to faith. Yeah. Like your faith bigger than your fear. Like, are you, is it really bigger than your fear? Do you have a present God or do you have a past God? Mm. You know, you worry about what he did in the past. Cause I, I can look back and say, he did a bunch of stuff. I can look to the future and say, Oh, he can make all those things possible. But does my present God, does my present God have his eye on the ball? Like my present God today, like, is he looking out for David today or making sure that I can push through? Cause I don't care. I I'm, I'm so glad you guys have a ton of folks listen to this podcast and, and hopefully will. But I don't care about notoriety. I don't care if anybody knows my name. None of this matters to me. Couldn't care less. What I really care about is making a positive impact on people's lives because I truly believe that God put me here to touch someone's life. Truly believe it. Because I believe all the gifts and the, the gifts and the skills that we are given, they're not for us. Mm-hmm. They are for others. And he gave me a unique view that he could have given somebody else. Unique vision. He could have given somebody else, but he gave it to me. My, my mission is to lift others up first in word and deed, you know, but then to create meaningful innovation around healthcare to truly change the impact that it can have on their life. Because when you when you are well, physically well, you know, it's like you can you can spiritually be fed. That's why that's why Jesus said, you know, if someone's hungry, feed them. If they don't have clothes, put clothes on their back, you know, put them in a place where they can hear the word. You know what I mean? So like my whole mission at OPA is to set my neighbors free, give them freedom, give them power in the recovery. Like that's my, my mission. And while it's professional mission, it's my personal and spiritual journey also. 
you know, in the process of that, there's a lot of other things happening. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to dig a little bit into what opiates is, what, which, what your whole company is and what you're doing to make that di- difference. But real quick, I want to go back to something you said about, you know, that, that struggle of, in a sense, kind of that imposter syndrome that you hear people talk about, mm-hmm. right. Of where you squatch that voice, because something that I say all the time is you will rise and fall by what you believe. And so depending on what you believe about yourself, right. Right. Because what you, if you believe, Hey, I'm no good, I can't do anything, et cetera. You know, you will end up, um, I think the enemy really uses that against us, you know, to bring us down, to keep us, um, from shining, honestly, and bringing, bringing out what God has for us. And so what would you say in squelching that voice as you, as you phrased it? Oh, I can super, yeah. So super practically, there's someone out there who's listening to this today, who's really struggling with that. What would you say to them? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. This is something I'm very passionate about, Maria. So if you're listening to my voice right now, know that you are a 10, a 10. And let me explain to you what, what, what I mean by that. I, I often ask people, um, rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. You've likely have heard this. I don't give them any metrics on, on any or any qualitative understanding of what 10 looks like. And they'll, they'll still give you a number. It's kind of miraculous. And often what you hear is seven. Okay. I hear you say seven, but tell me why, tell me why. Mm-hmm. And then they start telling you how they measure themselves. Well, I'm better looking than this person and more successful than that person. I'm smarter than this person, all different reasons of, of how they ascribe their self-worth. Right. But I have this thing I teach is called theory of 10. Because it's my honest belief that we all have infinite and inherent value. We were born with it, can't be taken from us, right? Uh, there's no beginning and no end to it. Infinite and inherent value. We are all tens. We are all diamonds, right? And I can tell you that because it says it in the word. We are made in his image, right? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But I can also tell you from a scientific point of view, because I'm an expert on cross-sectional anatomy. It just happens to be the case. And you know, for instance, your brain is the most complex object in the known universe. The universe is 584 million light years across. So if you travel from one end of the universe to the other, it would take you 584 million years at the speed of light. And within that enormous space, your brain is the most complex object in that entire space, right? How could you not think you were special? How could you not think you were important, right? How could you not think you were a 10? Right. We are we we are capable of so much beauty and so much destruction. Right. And we have free will. Right. All of science and all of all of the word points to the fact that we are infinitely valuable, complex and beautiful in every way, capable of almost all things. Right. We can't be God. We are what we're like God. You know, if you come from that perspective, how. Beyond seeing yourself as a 10, like you need to be able to see others as a 10. Like you have to be able to see the 10 in you before you can see it in someone else is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Before you can treat somebody else like a 10 and say, oh, I may not be, I'm a six, but that person's a 10. I don't believe it because until yeah. you can see the infinite yeah. inherent value in yourself, you'll never, ever, ever see it in anyone else. Yeah. And once you realize you are a 10 and the other person is too, all anxiety of being not good enough, all, all thoughts of you know, I'm, something's not right. I need to ascribe mm-hmm. to something else. I'm not there. It washes away. That's why I'm not nervous about talking to anyone. And I don't care what <laughs> anyone thinks about me. I literally don't, if you like me, great. If you don't like me, great. Makes zero difference to me. I don't care what my wife and my girls think about me, what God says about me. 
That's it. And because I love it. I love that you're saying like, I don't even care if you know what my name is, because that truly shows that you, it's not about you. And I think that's just the next level of growth and that it's not about us. And I love what you said about the gift of free will in, in both of these going back to just now the gift of free will, like in what you're doing, you're helping these people at opiate find freedom. And that's the greatest gift God gave us is the gift of free will. He could have made us robotic to love him, but he gave us the gift of free will because he wants us to choose him. And just that gift of you walking with them into freedom is, is so beautiful. Tell us a little bit more about what you do there and your mission and, and just really what you're doing. Let's dig into that a little bit because I love yeah. the freedom and the free will and helping people <laughs> find that greatest gift. Yes. That's it. It's about setting people free. And it's it's not that you can even do the work. You just have to create an environment where people can be successful. It's like a gym. You know, the, the, the equipment is there. The trainers are there. If you go there, you show up, you're consistent. You do what you need to do. You'll get stronger. And it hurts to get stronger. I mean, it's work, right? You know, we're trying to create an environment where people who want to walk through recovery, that they have the opportunity to be successful because today that it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You know, one out of three, the gold standard for treating people with, with addiction, substance use disorder, opiate addiction, the number one treatment we have, the gold standard today is called medically assisted treatment. And success looks like this, eight years in recovery to get one year of sobriety. Wow. What, what does your life look like? At, and five, year, five relapses on average. What, wow. what does your life look like after eight years, five relapses? What does your family look like? What is your emotional state, your physical state? Mm. Only one out of three people stabilize in treatment at six months. That's the national average. 100,000 people overdose in the last 12 months in the U.S. Wow. 200 people die a day, right? This is a staggering number. So in my mind, in my mind, we need to do a better job of, of improving outcomes and giving people a chance to be successful, a chance, you know? Um, but you first have to want it, like anything. If you, if you, if you want to be free, you, you, you need to be able to step into that. You can't want it. You can't want it enough for somebody else is what I'm saying. Right. You, can't, you can lead a horse more. to water, but you can't make yeah. them drink. Yeah. They have 100%. to want it. Yeah. And so how did opiate, sorry, go ahead. Or, or go ahead. Good. Yeah. What, what opiate has done is somewhat s- simple in my mind. You know, what we've done is we've, we're helping to establish uh, uh, an additional layer of objective uh, insight into someone's recovery. So it's, this might sound a little bit in the weeds, just zero me back in if you need to. So what I've done is um, our team has built a decision support tool, uh, which is a, a machine learning based uh, software bolt on that extracts data, almost like a Google analytics on top of electronic mm-hmm. health record systems of clinics. And it pulls data that's relevant to someone's recovery and it creates a dashboard that basically stratifies risk of individuals in treatment, identifying who has the highest potential of relapse within their patient population. And then plugs, every, plugs into their system in such a way that they can perform a just-in-time intervention, i.e. find people who are struggling that they wouldn't have realized, get to them before they have a, the chance to relapse, you know, in order to maintain um, their engagement with their treatment. Because we know statistically people that stay in treatment, they get better. Um, but you got to keep them in treatment and you got to do it in a way that's loving and respectful and honoring the person, which is always the spirit of opiate is a love for our neighbors and nothing more. Nothing we do will ever be punitive. It's all about building trust and creating tools that are meaningful and uh, actionable. You know, the other piece which we've done, uh, which is a world's first, is that we're on FDA pathway for software as a medical device. 
And essentially what we're doing is leveraging wrist-worn devices like your Apple Watch mm. in order to quantify withdrawal symptoms and personalize treatment approaches based on your biometrics. Oh, So I just completed, uh, yeah, we, we got funding for the National Institute of Health through a SBIR mechanism, which is the hardest grant in the nation to win is an SBIR through NIH. Wow. Yeah, I Congratulations. Yeah, okay. That's amazing. I, that. I, I just finished my phase one study and we're about to uh, sub submit for a phase two clinical trial, which will occur in three states in the U.S. and potentially Sweden as well. Mm. But what we're doing is we're, uh, we're using biometrics in a clinical trial to show that we can actually improve retention and outcomes in, in, uh, in substance use treatment. If we do that, we're going to change the world. Our goal is to improve retention instead of one out of three people in treatment, six months, two out of three. We do that. We change the world. It's mm. going to bring thousands and thousands of our neighbors home every wow. month. I have and chills. I know. Yeah. How did you even get into that? What made you decide, oh, okay, there's a major opiate, you know, problem. Uh, this is, the, this is where I'm called to make a difference. How did that even come on your radar? It's funny. God, God, God throw things on your lap uh, when you're not expecting them. So I was building an IT company at the time, this is some three years back, I was building an IT company. I've exited since then, uh, but doing cloud infrastructure. And I was looking to, to build machine learning tools on top of that platform. And uh, I got involved with uh, a meetup group talking about AI machine learning because I wanted to understand more of what was going on there. And I got so intrigued and a group of us got together and we're like, you know, if we were to tackle a local problem, you know, what would we do just to show that machine learning is really powerful, something we could all kind of get our heads around that would be really fun. And we threw out three different ideas. And one of them was substance use disorder. And in my mind, I'm like, that doesn't really sound that appealing to me. Because I had a lot of bad misconceptions, even coming from healthcare, bad misconceptions, even yeah. having a personal history, bad misconceptions. Yeah. What happened was, we spent six months studying it, using the lean startup methodology, you know, testing theories, doing doing a discovery, and we had these monthly meetings. And what, what it came down to was we got a major problem. And all these beliefs that I had were bad beliefs, weren't mm -hmm. founded on data. The data doesn't say that a certain population or a certain individual will become, you know, physiologically addicted. Thing is, addiction is a physiologic response, not a moral failing. Yeah. Physiologic response, not a moral failing. It's a disease. And we need to treat it like that. And what I what happened was I looked in my backyard, MK. And uh, I found out that in Wilmington, North Carolina, 11.6% of our working population is addicted to an opioid. 11.6. 11.6. A city of 120,000 people, wow. more than one out of 10 people wake up in the morning with, with withdrawal symptoms. Why is this happening in my backyard? Uh, a fairly well-off town. Like, why, how, how is that even possible? That's it's the staggering. highest in the nation. It's the highest in the nation. Wow. From a working population no standpoint, the highest in the nation. So I, we sat back and we were like, can we do something? We can do something about it. We have to do something about it. We have to. So that, that's how opiate was born. But it's funny because the reason you start something isn't always a reason you keep doing it. Like I started for one reason. I realized there was something deeper, another mm -hmm. reason for doing it. And um, that's what drives me. I want to see my neighbors set free. And we're, all, we're on a path to do that. So then that ends up turning into your full-time gig as God pulled you, like put this on your heart and then it just pulled you out of the medical imaging, your AI stuff. And, and that's sort of just what you thought was going to be um, your tech company or IT 
really just went into this OPA full time. Yeah, I bet I sold my I sold all my equity out. I, I sold multiple things. I had other patents in other areas too. I got rid of, got out of everything. Wow. And I'm to do the one thing. To do the one thing. You can't. Yeah, that's it. That's why I saw mm. the book and I was like, yeah, the, the one thing. Yeah, you have to be focused. If you want to see really meaningful results, it requires focus. And mm. I just kept my head down and just barreled through. And um, I don't say that I did it because I'm telling you, God literally opened doors that you can't even imagine. I, I am. I'm pinched myself. I'm like, how is that even possible? And I have a team around me that is world class, like legitimately world class team. It's just amazing. God builds the dream team, always. Oh, he did. I'm telling you. And teamwork makes the dream work. That's one of our favorite (laughs) sayings, right? I tell my husband that all the time. I'm like, with work, it's true, but it is true in a family too. Like, mom and dad are the team, and teamwork makes the dream work. You know, hundred percent. Every area of your life, you know, and your your life looks like the your five closest friends, your and colleagues. You know, For you're, sure. you're, you're, you're a, some of the five people you hang around. It really is. Oh, gosh, It's just, it's so cool to see how your surrender has led to God's dreams over you being so much bigger than your own, which is the premise sort of, of the, it is the premise of our podcast. And it's just so cool to see how it's played out. And like, it's even more exciting to think what's next because you just don't know. And just talking about like, you don't really care if people know you, you don't care where or how this goes. I think that's such a lesson in life for people. Mm-hmm. It's just having hands open and being detached from the outcome. Like you kind of have to have, you know, because people talk about being goal oriented. And if you want to make this go, you have to have goals on paper and a plan and a vision, but being detached from the outcome with our hands wide open allows it to be done God's way and not our way. So, right. Just like still encouraging you to be that person that shows up with a goal and, and has a plan, but it can move and shift. And when it doesn't go your way, like that's okay. And I love how you truly are so detached. You're just like, whatever it's, it's such a beautiful witness of, and, and I'm sure it's going to be still change a million times and will be so different, but be better than you could have even imagined. So that's just such a, such a great witness. So thank you for that. I appreciate um, it. And just to be clear, I'm screwing up all the time. Well, we all do, right? And that's just reality because I'm I'm human. (laughs) Yeah, but I I realize that things are going to happen. God's saying, because as an entrepreneur, I want to push. Yeah. Like we're we're built to go fast and break things. And sometimes God's like, like for instance, yesterday, he's like, I'm not going to let your brain turn on yesterday. He's like, it's your birthday. (laughs) I want you to rest. It's Sunday. And it's a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. He made Mm -hmm. me sleep. You know what I mean? And like my my speed is 100 miles an hour all the time. God's literally like, I'm going to put a muff, a, a governor on your engine for a little bit. <laughs> you can rest for a minute it. and then you can go again. <laughs> I love it. You know, and you need, you need both, but it's discerning. Where are we? What season I'm in right now? What's today? And, and taking it. Um, I would ask you, like, if you could talk to yourself 10 years ago, just with all that's been uh, your 32 year old self, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, 32 was an interesting age too, because I was still an MRI tech. <laughs> I was still an MRI tech and I was just kicking the idea of being able to do more. Um, yeah, I would, I would tell myself back then, if I were to go back, I would say, do not be afraid, right? Fear, fear comes from not knowing when you, when you lack information, it causes you to fear. When you fear enough, you become angry. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Lack of fear or a lack of knowledge leads to fear, fear to anger. And I don't think that I was angry at that time, but I was definitely fearful. 
because I, mm-hmm. I knew for a fact that I was not where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was raised to like work a job, work until you die, work real hard, show mm-hmm. up, go home. Like, be on the hamster wheel of life, right? That's it. And I knew in my DNA, I was a, a, a square block and a round hole or a round mm-hmm. hole in a square, square block. It, was, right. it, was, it wasn't fit. I knew it wasn't fitting. So I would have gone back to my, my 32 year old self. And I'm like, do not be afraid. Mm. Do not the be afraid. The most used verse in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Be not afraid. Do not. Yeah. Be not afraid. Not afraid because any decision coming from fear is the wrong one. Mm. Mm. And you, you shared with us that you, you know, that you do teach sometimes a class on entrepreneurship. What would you say to someone out there who there's my dad and I were talking, talking about this recently, that there is a different kind of mindset when you're an entrepreneur versus when you are um, used to more of a nine to five. And so what, what, what is some piece of advice that you give to your, you know, your students when they're taking the entrepreneur class or to the person out there who maybe they are afraid, they want to take that step into stepping out of the normal box. What would you say to them? What is the mental shift that has to happen or does happen, et cetera? Wow. I got a few things that kind of popped in my head, but the first thing is, you know, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is not a lifestyle. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Very true. Right. If, if your step in takes, you're like, Ooh, it seems like a great lifestyle. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not a lifestyle. And if that's what you're thinking, you be, better be prepared to be broke for at least 18 months. Mm-hmm. Minimum. So, Minimum. Right. Yeah. Know that people are built to be entrepreneurs or not. And it's not, uh, there's no shame in not being an entrepreneur and wanting to be an employee because some people function extremely well that way. And they're, that's how God made them. Because if we don't have the ability to be teammates, you know, and work together or for each other, like how, how, how is any of this going to be possible? Not everybody's built to be an entrepreneur. And believe me, it is not sexy. Most of the time, it's just horribly difficult and mentally stressful, right? Lonely. If you are, if you are <laughs> built to be an entrepreneur and like God put it in you that you were the risk taker, you know, you have vision and you're willing to work 80 hours for 20 hours worth of pay. If that's really you, you're willing to brave the ocean, you know, you need to check your mindset first. If you were built and you are wired to be an entrepreneur, you better have a victory mindset. And let me tell you what I I call victory mindset. It's first of all, being able to see the 10 in you. It's theory of 10, right? When you can see the 10 in you and truly realize that's who you are and see it in other people, all this wasted energy of worrying what someone else thinks about you and trying to please people, all that nonsense goes away. And what, what gets replaced with is, is a lot more clarity in your decision-making. I say you better have a true north question in whatever mission that you're on. True north is how do you make a decision? Like what is your guiding principle? Guiding principle of opiate is will this help my neighbor in recovery? Mm-hmm. Every, everything, that every decision that comes across my desk starts as will this help my neighbor in recovery? If it's a no, it's gone. I've just cut my decisions in half, right? And if it is, is it now or is it later? And I put it on a time horizon. Right. So what's your true north question? See the 10 in yourself, victory mindset, something I do with my girls, incredibly important. It's all mindset first. Mindset's 80 percent of it. 80 mm-hmm. percent of this game is managing the real estate between your ears. Yes. 80 percent of it. You know, so I start out with with saying to my girls and I've done the, these mantras with my girls since they were two years old. Right. There's certain things I do with them, take them on dates like I do one on one daddy daughter dates. But I feed this into them every single day. Um, and it's this, we always talk about being brave and kind together, 
brave and kind because it's often it's very it's very scary to do the right thing standing up for somebody that's a bully you know standing up against someone who's a bully it's scary to do the right thing but always make sure that you're brave and kind and we find opportunities to not only uh create and mirror those those uh that that trait but we we identify when we see it so i say you see that that was brave and kind Mm. so they know what it looks like you know we also talk about um, giving our very best. We don't compare ourselves to anybody, our very best, my very best. And that can change from day to day. Give uh-huh. your very best, right? So you never leave anything on the field. Just give your best. Some days you're tired. Your best is your best. Another thing is never give up, but it's not a spirit of don't quit. Mm. A lot of people say, don't give up. And they're just like, I gotta just not quit Mm-mm. because then you lose the excellence, right? Spirit the, ne- or never give up. Sounds like this. It's victory. I pictured myself walking across the finish line. I already live there. Mm-hmm. Right? When you come with that mindset, you come with confidence and you come with strengths and you deliver with excellence because you already are there. You're just on the journey to be able to hold the trophy now. Right? Whatever that looks like. So those three things I fed in my girls from the very beginning, they can rattle them off like this. But, but the thing is this, because we kept it simple, you know, they're able to build something off of that. That's their foundation. I say the same thing to entrepreneurs. I'm doing the same thing. I mirror it so my kids can see it. And because I believe in it too. Mm. Be brave and kind when you go out there in the professional world. Because you live with these people that you're also going to be working with. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. brave and kind. Give and you're connected by one degree, the whole world. <laughs> Everybody. Completely. Completely. And it, completely. So that, that's what I live by. So that's why I tell entrepreneurs. I, they, they don't know what's coming when I come out to talk to them. They honestly don't. They think they're going to learn about sales, which sales is just influence. But really yeah. what they understand is to see themselves in the world differently. And then everything else becomes much simpler. It's just problem solving. I love it. I mean, you all, I have written down a page of books yep. today. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> so you Take have so much and so many pearls. So leave mm-hmm. our listeners. So we like to ask everyone mm-hmm. for this week, what is one thing that you're practically doing to water your grass? Well, uh, one thing that I'm doing that that's watering my grass is uh, I'm becoming very disciplined uh, about points that I need to execute throughout the week, uh, i.e. Um, scheduling things that need to happen within a certain time frame. You know, so mm-hmm. I have a, a bunch of research deadlines that allow us to get to the FDA trials. So I'm being incredibly strategic with how I'm, I'm uh, executing these pieces so that we can have the ultimate lift because there's a lot of moving parts. You're so you're time blocking. Like you're you're really giving everything. I'm time, time blocking. Time. It's pretty mm-hmm. insane if you see my schedule. Um, it's pretty intense. But yeah, I'm time blocking, and what that allows you to do is have a little bit more peace and mm-hmm. and be able to see step by step that you are getting closer to the goal, particularly when there are literally hundreds of moving parts. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we're so grateful that we got to be on your time schedule this week. So <laughs> just thank you so much for sharing your heart, sharing your mission, and just your wisdom. I mean, you just blessed us so much and I know you're going to bless our listeners. So we are so grateful for you and um, check him out. His his details will be in the show notes. So you can check out what David's doing and all the goodness he has, but just, we are so grateful for all our listeners. Continue to like, share, download, and we'll see you next week on Girl Water Your Ground. Bye.